Welcome to Pitch Session. That's Pitch with a P. I'm Kirsten. And I am Andrew. Still. What a week we had, Gabby. It was quite a week. Week nine. Week nine. I mean, we are inching towards the NCAA tournament in a couple of weeks, which makes me wonder how the field gets put together. But I think we're gonna we're gonna have some light shown up shined shown upon shine. that this evening. Or who are we who are we gonna talk to? We are gonna talk to the chair of the Division One Field Hockey Committee, um, Caitlin Prendado. Um, who is also the associate athletic director at Harvard University? She was so generous with her time and got to talk to us about the uh, about the poll or not the poll, the bracket and the selection process. And she seems willing to let me play a role. I don't think and she's I, willing. I think that she wants me to pick the eight at large teams. She seemed impressed by me. She seemed impressed, but also a bit skeptical. I don't know if she's ready to give you that kind of power. I think she's at like a trust but verify stage. Yeah, and if she comes to me to verify, I will say, do not let him wield this power. Really? Are you offended? A little bit. (laughs) I just know that you're kind of like a master of chaos. You know, I know you pretty well. That's a great point. Like I, (laughs) yes, you were three and 16, but you played hard. Let's roll the dice. Let's go for it. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good uh, point. I probably shouldn't be trusted with that. No. Can I make an observation, though, Andrew? You may, Kirsten. As a student athlete or a coach or even an umpire, like, this season felt long. You know? Like, uh, it, it's, long. it's, it's you're, not when long. You're, when you're, you're in it. it. You're in it. You're deep in it. But I will say, sitting in this chair, you're like, it's whoa, this long. is fast. It is not long at all. Nine weeks, and, like, we're already in the back half of the season and, like, trying we're, to figure out what we're going to do for postseason. We're in the back third. I mean, we're we're down to two more weekends of regular season play. Conference cool. tournament weekend, uh, you know, first and second round weekend, and then that's it. Yeah. Final like we're, four weekend. It's a splash. It really is. Blaze of glory field hockey season. All the more reason to look at this week's poll. Yes. Where Northwestern, let's not bury the lead. Northwestern thumped Ohio and they ended the pitch session curse. They are still number one. They are still God. number one. And we Thank are. Thank you. It is, it is great news. Uh, there is a new number two, North Carolina. Swap spots with Duke at two and three. Your undefeated Rutgers Scarlet Knights are 14 and 0. The nation's lone undefeated. They are fourth. And the top five is rounded out by the first victim of the curse, or the, the curse be gone, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, nobody entered the poll. Nobody left the poll. Uh, Diet Massachusetts, UMass Lowell went up two spots to jump UMass Classic, which falls to 19. Albany rounds out the poll at 20. Uh, other items in the meat of the poll, Michigan hangs on for dear life. They're 7-7, seven and seven, ranked 15th. Penn State is on the good side of 500 at 7-6. and six. They're 16th. And our biggest dropper are your Louisville Cardinals, who went 1-2 last week, including an 0-2 weekend, dropping three spots from 5 to 8. Which I think is harsh for your Louisville Cardinals. I think if you lose two games in a week, dropping three spots is not harsh. I think it's perfectly reasonable. I, I can see how you could you could make that argument, but when I'm just looking at like, especially I think I, the thing I'm hung up about is that they're below UVA, and I know it's close, right? Like we're we're at like maybe twenty points difference, but UVA's nine and five, and Louisville is twelve and three, and head to head, Louisville beat UVA. So I just feel like like maybe they dropped two spots, and like they the two opponents they played, it, they were close games, and they're both you know it was Duke and Iowa, so they're ranked really high, good opponents, but like to drop three spots, number eight, based on like the way they play. I mean, this is the coaches' poll, and I feel like the coaches have to know that maybe they know something I don't, but. But I think Louisville's at least ranked over UVA, and I think you, I think Maryland is ranked over UVA. Like Virginia, UVA gets one 
win and they they i don't know leapfrog people i'm not into it they only went up one spot it was more that louisville dropped and virginia did beat duke this weekend duke dropped one spot they had a one in one week uh with the win over louisville and a 2-1 loss in overtime uh to the wahoos uh and yeah. you gotta remember the in the poll, non-conference second meeting for the poll two. the poll is always going to have a recency bias yeah it's, a, it's an imperfect tool and you'll notice uh when we talked to Caitlin later and we asked the the uh, tools they use to put the field together, this poll never comes up. Oh, so, so, right. So, you know, it, it is an imperfect tool that is used during the year to gauge who's up and who's down. Um, and, and that's and my think, thing. I don't think, I think Louisville's down. down. They're not they on the shoots. They lost two games this weekend. They are down. I mean, there's no other way around it. Mm. Yeah, they were bad. They weren't bad losses. They were you know, as good of a loss as you can have. They were close. They were against good teams. And so, yeah, they didn't drop 14 spots. They didn't fall out. They're still eighth. But a top five team can't lose two games in a week. I know. I just feel like sometimes we're, like, really generous to people kind of in, like, the middle of the poll. Like, I'm looking at you, Michigan. Like, we're really generous to keep some teams on. And then, like, other teams who are high quality having good seasons. Like, we just like to punish them. Maybe there's, like, an envy bias. Who knows? You think there is? I don't know. I mean, could be. Sure. Well, you mentioned shoots and ladders. So what else happened last weekend that intrigued you? Well, so we had a couple. Well, one upset that I watched, which was very exciting. Cornell, your Cornell Big Red took down Syracuse. Um, who that was is, the battle of the Finger Lakes? That's right. Uh, the fight for the Finger Lakes. Lovely. Yeah, okay. We're waiting for somebody to give us a call to uh, officially purchase that title. Um but went to double overtime. And as we have seen throughout the season, Cornell's, um, I think she's the center back, Caroline Ramsey, their drag flicker on corners, pretty unstoppable. So she's a huge factor for them and was a big difference on their corners. Um, and it was a grudge match and it went into overtime, which again was like a little bit boring and it was raining and it looked pretty miserable. So it was an exciting game. How, um, many, how many balls did they play with in overtime? Just one. So Just that was one. a mis- that big was mistake. mistake. Big yeah. mistake. But so Cornell's on my ladders because they've their last five games, five wins. They upset Q's. Um, the next their games this weekend, very winnable against Brown and Boston University. And they finish out the season with a game against Harvard, which will be tough. But to me, for Cornell, like they're having a great season. But the tournament for them is a must win because if they don't win that tournament, they're likely not getting an at-large bid. But if they win, Harvard could be getting an at-large bid. So um, I think exciting things to come from your your big red bears in Cornell. Have you ever heard of it, Andrew? Cornell? I have. I have heard of Cornell. It's a school in the Ivy League. Yes. That's right. That's right. I, I, know, I know someone who went there. Yes. I think we all do. He works um, in paper sales. And here's another. This was a game. I think we were all shocked. Um, was that. So UNC beat Albany. But Albany was up 3-0 for a significant portion of this game. So... I don't but know not what significant enough. Not significant. I mean, I mean, I think I think we have to absolutely give some um some props to UNC for coming back to win 4-3. I think I'm I need to pull up the box score. Yeah. So Albany was up 2-0 or no, 2-1 going to halftime. And that's and then we went 3-3 and then they scored in the fourth quarter. But like what a great game. It was at Albany. So something was in the air in upstate New York last week as, as it usually is oh rarefied air in upstate new york beautiful place um so yeah we got cornell on the ups we had some other good games Rutgers beat ohio state in a shootout um to stay undefeated to stay undefeated there's 14 and 0 i the shootouts it was like i want to know and if anybody else thought this but it was like this the quietest way to end a game it was like Rutgers scored. There was a video review and then they won and everybody just kind of like 
walked off the field. That's, <laughs> was like, that, that's like how the USA soccer team got eliminated from the World Cup this year. Yeah, you're just like, on is that it? Review. Yeah, is that it? Well, and they, they did the review, and I think they were pretty sure that it wasn't going to happen, but they're like, let's try it. And it was just kind of a like real boring way to win, to win a game, end a game. So, um, but yeah, we the ladders. We oh my ladders. Okay, so uh, as as much as it pains me to admit it, and I don't know why it pains me. I mean, I love the Terps, but you know, some people like to hate on Maryland. I think we see our Terps climbing a little bit. Um, they have they're on a five win streak, and um, who did they beat this weekend? I think it was Rutger. No, 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 no. We know that's not true. They beat Ohio State, um, who I think is maybe on a little bit of a shoot for me. They've struggled the past couple weeks. Um, but I think Maryland's really coming into their own, and I do think they're a kind of team that comes alive towards the end of the season and always does really well in postseason. So last five games, five wins, and then coming up, they've got big tests. They've got Iowa, Indiana, and then Northwestern finish out the regular season. So that's that's two tough ones out of three there to finish. Yeah. And then, okay. So, you know, I, I don't have as many shoots because I, I think we're even things out, but there are a couple teams that I think we all need to just like keep our eye on. So Drexel, the Drexel Dragons, they're 11 and four, their last eight games, they're seven and one. Um, and they are number 21 on the RPI right now. So they are, um, they're three and one in the CAA, a game back of Monmouth who's four now. That's right. So, and I, I made some note that I can't read. So, but um, I think they're a team to keep an eye on as we head into the postseason because I think they have the opportunity to maybe, well, win the regular season, the CAA, and then take the tournament, which means they're in the tournament, they're in the NCAA tournament, and who knows what happens. I'm also keeping my eye on who we, we took our eye off of. We talked about them early on in the season. University of New Hampshire Wildcats um, took our eye off of them, and now my eye is back on them because um, they started out strong, had a little stumble in the middle, but now they're 11-4, and four, and they're putting up some like big numbers in scoring. They're second in all of the um, – offensive categories so like goals per game points per game assists per day game and they're like every game they're they're doing like multi-goal games six zero seven one things like that and they're six and zero in the america east number one in the america east um would you would you say you have a wandering eye oh absolutely i'm like sauron over here my eyes everywhere okay just checking but I'm just saying, we mentioned UNH in the beginning of the season, and we here did. they come up again. They, they were in a game to watch TM a couple times. They were, they were. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they do in the postseason in the America East. Um, and I should say they're second in those in those scoring categories, but uh, number one is Cornell. Like Cornell's number one in goals per game, points per game, and assists per game. Are so, you aware that New Hampshire uh, had the highest single game? scoring output of the season they got to, they, they got yeah they got the double digits on sunday yeah which which you know is like uh, is that uh, really necessary i feel like i know i feel like when you get to the touchdown and the extra point when it's seven nothing you can maybe wrap it up it's um, a debate but, but they did knock off mary mac uh 10 zip on yeah. sunday so like i don't know we don't love to see it um, but they are racking up the points. I mean, because it's not they they scored high in Mary Mac, but I feel like the rest of their games are like also pretty high scoring. Yeah, they um, beat Maine, they beat Maine six nothing. Like on. that's Maine's always been a pretty solid team. So to like put that many goals up against them is significant. Um Yeah, well really, I mean, they just looking at it, they they, they got seven on UC Davis a couple about a month ago. But other than that, before this weekend, their highest total was four. Now, they have not been—they've uh, not been shut out. Um, but, but I mean, their goal totals for the year are four, four, one, four, three, three, seven, two, one, three, three, two, one, six, and ten. So they haven't been crazy high, really, until this weekend. Well, and I'm looking at it like it also is kind of all over the shop because you know they lost Ohio State 
one to four. So they're like letting in some goals. They lost to Providence three to five, which is a strange scoreline and lost to Boston college one to five. So yeah, they're kind of all over the map. It's like either they're scoring big and shutting people out or it's, yeah, it's kind of all over the shop. It's a, it's a go big or go home situation. It is, but their game against Albany, who's number two in the America East is one of my games to watch on Friday. Um, and then after that, they have Cal and Columbia. So Albany is going to be the big test. But there's, you know, there's a real chance that they finish the season like fourteen and four. You got to You got to drop spoiler alert when you give a game of the week that early. Sorry, I just thought it was it, it behooved us to discuss it as we were talking about UNH. Uh, one game to point out an absolute shootout. Uh, I mean, an absolute gunfight, you could say. Old Dominion beat Villanova six to five in what was a bloody battle. Uh, wow. 11, 11 goals between the two teams. Uh, Double digits. Good, good win for ODU. Uh, you know, they left it all on the battlefield. You got to give them a lot of credit for that. And, oh, and- hey, wait. No, please. I was just about to say what I think you're going to say. Well, I know what you're going to say. I have something else to say, but please do it. No, you say your thing. Well, I was just going to say, hey, Harvard beat Princeton 4-0 over the weekend. Um, And I'm just keeping an eye on the conference standings, but uh, especially with the Ivy League's first-time tournament. So they take the top four. Cornell Penn and Harvard have all like clinched their berths. And... Princeton is the one on the bubble. So for Harvard to show that dominant of a performance against Princeton, I thought was pretty significant. Did, did Princeton beat Yale? Because that last spot's going to come down to them. They're the final game. So uh, Princeton is three and two. Yale is two and three. So assuming they come to that final game within a game of each other uh, on October 27th, next Saturday, mm-hmm. they finish the year with each other. So that game will likely be four spot for that final spot in the Ivy League tournament. Well, and Yale plays Columbia this weekend that, you know, if, you know, all things being equal, I I think Yale should win, but it's kind of a must win. If they want to push Princeton out, they have to win this weekend or like the next game doesn't matter. Well, unless Harvard loses the pen. Right. Which could happen. Which is just some exciting Ivy League action. Should have added tournament years ago. What were they thinking? I don't know. Probably about the student athlete experience, scholar athlete experience. And then let's go to one more final on Friday where uh, your American Eagles knocked off Lehigh in overtime three to two in a game that was a bit of a... Uh, challenge for American. They fell well, down na- early. A nail, nail biter. Tied it up and gave up a second goal. Tied it up and then won it in overtime. Mm-hmm. A notable win it was. It was a notable win because I believe that was number 300 for Steve Jennings, who has been uh, at the helm for 25 years. So big year for Steve. 25 and 300. All in the same year. I mean, what are the odds of that? I mean, if it was going to happen to anybody, it would happen to Steve Jennings. When things align, Steve's right in the middle of it. (laughs) That's usually what he does. (laughs) Um, But, man, I'll tell you, watching that game, I was like, one, can we turn up the bright list, Lehigh, please? Lehigh, did we not pay the light bill? I mean, what are we? It was so hard to see. We're going to play at 7 o'clock. Let's turn all the lights on. Like, it's like, like, were we illuminating this with, like, our cell phone lights? What was happening? And then they also had the cages, like, really close to the sideline, like, just their extra cages. So every once in a while, I'd look up and I'd be like, what the heck? Like, where are we going? And I'm like, oh, that's not even a cage on the on the field. And then I had a couple people reach out and mention um, that it seemed like Lehigh had taken on some, you know, they were uh, paying homage to uh maryland and turtle vision because the camera was like six inches from the ground for a period of time (laughs) i'm like what are you looking at um so everybody out in bethlehem if we could just like pick up our game that'd be awesome when it comes to the old uh broadcast but have a great weekend up in the lehigh valley Oh, it's a beautiful place. It's a place. Um, well, and so I, like I said, I don't really have any shoots, but 
there are just three teams that I think it's it's just interesting. So we got Michigan, Syracuse, and Wake. Traditionally pretty like strong teams. All are currently three and four in their last seven games. Michigan's number 16, the RPI. Hughes is number 13, the RPI. And Wake, poor Wake, is number 24 in the RPI. And I only point this out because I think they've struggled in their second half of their season conference play but all three of these teams are ones that like you never know what's going to happen Wake could make it to the final four given their past um performances so i would say they're on a little bit of a downturn but have the ability to turn it around on a turn it on a dime and i have one shoot give it to me louisville i do not accept your shoot they lost twice yeah well I think they're going to turn around this weekend. I, I, I think they are too. And they'll be on my ladder next week. Oh, good. Wow. Shoots and ladders, man. It's a fickle game. It is. You're up, you're down. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> All right, shall we? Let's do it. All right, we are here with Caitlin Prandotto from uh, Harvard University. She's the Associate Athletic Director there and currently the Chair of the Division One Field Hockey Committee. So welcome to Pitch Session and thanks for joining us. Thank you both. I'm excited to talk about field hockey, one of my favorite topics. <laughs> and it and is your you favorite know, topic. Oh, please, Andrew, go ahead. Well, you know, we're now curse-free. So yes. we're, we're uh, Northwestern broke the curse last week. So, you know, we now have the whole world available to us. So this is very exciting. <laughs> and we've obviously oh. done a little bit of our research, um, knowing that field hockey is important to you. But if you could tell our listeners sort of a little bit about like your – career and your involvement in field hockey as a student athlete and and since then I guess yeah of course um well I feel like this is important but I grew up in New Jersey which we like to think of as you know a big field hockey high school area um but played my undergraduate career at Boston College um and had a really great experience in four years there played in a couple um NCAA tournaments my freshman and sophomore year um and transitioned into the ACC while I was there so um played a lot of really great opponents and did a lot of travel and had um a lot of fun um and then uh when I was done at BC I went to UMass Amherst um wanted to stay involved with sports in general wasn't quite ready to give up the dream of, um, you know, just being involved and on the sideline and, and, um, you know, the highs and the lows of all of that, um, and got my master's in sport management and then, um, came to Harvard after that and have been in a couple different roles while I've been here, but, um, have worked with our field hockey program here, um, as a sports supervisor for a little bit. Um, and then for the past four years is my fourth year have been on the NCA committee, um, and this most recent year as, as chair. So that's kind of been the evolution and, um, you know, just, it's been a lot of fun to be able to be a part of the NCA committee and, and, you know, get to know coaches and admins at other schools and, um, see how they do things and just get to know people there. Yeah, and I, I don't know if our listeners know of um, the school in Cambridge on the other side of Boston, Harvard. Um, they're having a pretty good year. How's that been as the as the administrator for uh, the Crimson? 5-0 in the uh, Ivy League, right? First that's place? That's right. They are currently in first place. Um, it's really, really um, fun to watch them, um, especially, you know, they just went down and played Princeton this past weekend um, and had a great game. Um, and they'll have, you know, they'll finish out their season with the other two really difficult teams in the league with Penn and Cornell. And so just hoping that they can save, um, save some goals to score in those games. Um, and, you know, uh, this would be the first year for the Ivy League tournament for field mm -hmm. hockey. They've never had one before. And so um, highest seed hosts. And so we're kind of just waiting to see what happens there. But, um, you know, it adds, you know, an extra layer to um, just being involved in the world of field hockey and seeing kind of what happens in the later half of the season, too. Uh, I got a fun fact I think is right, but it may not be right. But either way, we're going to go with it. Um, so all eight Ivy League schools play field hockey. And I Correct. think that I think the Ivy League is the only league that its entire full membership plays field hockey. Mm. 
I mean, so I'm I, now I'm like churning through it in my head, and I think that's right. No, I'm pretty sure it's right. And even so if we it's can not, call it a fact. It is a fun go, fact. It's the fun fact of the day, at the very least. That's something that I and I don't know if I've ever actively thought about it. So now it's a fact that I know too. So thank you. Yeah. And we're not even going to worry if it's correct or not. We're just going to go with it. Yeah. It's like someone from like the NEC is going to start yelling at us or the Mac or something. But the Mac, whatever. Well, Mac doesn't even exist anymore for us. No, that's a great point. We just got some action. Yeah. So will you tell us how does one become the chair of the Division One NCAA Field Hockey Committee? Yeah. Um, so more generally, to get on the committee, um, the NCAA, you know, puts out requests for for people that are interested in doing it. Um, and then you basically get an email that says, you know, here are the openings for the NCAA committees. Is anyone interested? If so, submit an application that goes to your conference office and then the conference um, submits their their person, um, and then they fill kind of the the regional committees um, and the NCA committee, and so that's how I kind of got on it. And um, I don't know if this was good or bad, but my my first year was my first year on the committee as a whole was the fall of 2020. So it was right after COVID had started, and oh, you know sports yeah. in general had gotten you know at, at, in the Ivy League canceled for the year um but is going to get the spring fall season yeah that's so field what, hockey that's is what a I sport, yeah but they moved all the championships into the spring and so that was my first year on the committee and becca was actually becca main was still on the committee and so i leaned heavily just on experience as to like what is happening um and what are we doing um and we went down to unc in the spring and had a championship with a smaller um, smaller field of teams. And, you know, it, it was great, um, for my first experience. Um, so yeah, so, and then on the committee, you have a four year, um, kind of cycle and then, um, to become the chair, uh, usually it's an administrator. They try not to have a coach in it just because there's some, you know, if they're having a really great season, some conflicts and things like that, that maybe they can't be at, but, um, the committee votes in the chair at the previous annual meeting and someone was confident enough that I could handle um, taking that role. And so I was really um, happy to do so and excited to be representing our group. Nice. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. So let's talk about this year. Um, And we want to eventually talk about the uh, field for the NCAA tournament. But I guess our first question is, how do you and the committee go about during the year? How often do you meet? Um, And what is the process to begin to put the field together um, at this stage of the year where we're still two weeks away from conference tournaments and three, four weeks away from the NCAA tournament? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, And I would say our process as a whole starts probably – you know, the end of August, um, as teams are coming back for preseason and they're starting to play their games, um, the national committee relies pretty heavily on regional advisory committees. And so there are five regions within um, kind of the national field hockey scope. Um, And within those, those groups meet uh, every two weeks um, over the course of the season for a total of four times. And they provide their kind of regional rankings to the national committee so that we can then meet, um, you know, the next day and take those and loosely create like a top 20. Um, it doesn't get advertised anywhere. Um, and it's more so based on um, it's it's there to help us when we get down the line so that we can kind of look back and see like uh, over the course of the season, this team, you know, has been in the top 10 or they've, they've really risen or um, maybe they aren't where we thought they would be. And so. Um, the regional committees meet four times over the course of the season, put those rankings together, and then the national committee meets um, four times over the course of the season as well to put together kind of that that top 20 based on a variety of factors that we use to rank teams against each other. Um, and so it really comes down to, in the end, um, you know, the field is 
partially set by the tournaments and the automatic qualifiers for the conferences. Um, and so there are 10 automatic qualifiers that come from that. And then there are eight at-larges beyond that group. Um, and so a lot of the work is one spent kind of waiting to see who gets those automatic qualifiers because that will then determine who you have to look at for your for your at-larges. Um, but the weekend of kind of those conference tournaments, we spend as a committee probably about, I'm looking at the calendar, you know, that Saturday, five hours together talking through everything that's happening and maybe having some games on in the background. Um, and then on Sunday, we try to have everything kind of pulled together tight by like five o'clock, six o'clock. Um, so that then the selection show happens that evening. Um, so, you know, a lot of time is spent together in that last weekend, really making sure that all of the um, data gets collected, that it's really well thought out, that there's reasoning for any decision that's being made, um, and that you get that top field. And then you also select and pick where um, uh, the locations will be for kind of the first and second rounds and those opening rounds that will then ultimately filter into the championship location. So I'll ask you about the host selections in a minute. But first, when you are picking those at-larges, is the general goal to pick the eight best teams that did not receive an automatic bid? I mean, is that – that's the idea. That is the idea. Um, and I think – I always feel like it's it seems more nebulous than it is. Um, it's really based on data. Um, it's not very eye test based. Um, we do have coaches on our committee that have played against teams or maybe in it themselves. Um, but we rely on a set of about eight factors. Um, there's win-loss records. There's strength of schedule. There's RPI. Um, a couple other ones that I can talk talk through more if anyone is really curious. Um, but it's it's all really based on kind of what the team has been doing and how they rank against each other. And so it really is the goal to find the best teams that deserve to be there that um, are going to have the best kind of tournament experience um, if selected and sent. We would like to add a ninth factor, and that is my opinion. <laughs> oh, good. I think a lot is of people that, probably feel that way also. <laughs> about my opinion? Yes. Most people like or my this. opinion. Yeah. Or their own yeah. opinion. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, let's more just, than anything. Yeah. We'll just go with mine. Um, I mean, it's it's usually a good opinion. Uh, what about, so let, let's say for you, and I, you know, we certainly hope this doesn't happen, but let's say Harvard goes 7-0 and in the Ivy League and then loses in the Ivy League championship game. So they're they're on the cusp of an at large. Are you leaving the room when Harvard is discussed? What what what's the deal? Thankfully, there? I am leaving the room, um, and that goes for anyone on the committee if their school's involved, um, whether they're a coach or an administrator. Um, and that situation has come up in the past. Um, so. Um, the same conversation happens. It's just when you get to that team, whether it's Harvard or someone else, um, we would step off the Zoom or the room or whatever it might be um, and step away. And I think it just allows the room to have honest conversation and not, you know, bring any emotion into it or anything like that. Um, and I have found that it has helped just from a, you know, on the back end, like you don't feel like you let anybody down or that you didn't advocate enough. Um, so hopefully that is not the case. That would really stink. But, um, right. you know, it's a realistic situation. Yeah. Well, now that there's no curse, it may not happen. <laughs> hopefully not. Yeah. I'm curious too. I mean, what are the other factors that you didn't mention? Because when you said there are others, I was like, ooh, but what are they? And then I'm yeah. also curious, like, who provides the data? Is that something that NCAA compiles or like the regional committees are required to to put them together? Yeah. Um, no, I'm happy to talk about it because it's easier if it's not this secretive thing, because then people aren't confused when one mm -hmm. team gets in and one team doesn't. Um, but so the factors are, um, I already mentioned win loss, um, strength of schedule. Um, we use RPI. Um, we look at head to head competition against each other when you're comparing teams. Um, and we also look at common opponents, what your record is against the same people over the course of that time. Um, significant wins and losses. So, you know, 
Have you won in the top 10 or the top five? Have you lost in, you know, past the top 30, 40, 50? Um, and then um, towards the end of the season, we use kind of last seven records. So how have you been doing down the stretch, um, including your tournament? Um and then the eighth thing, which I kind of left to last because it's a newer factor, but we use KPI now as well. Um, last year, it was kind of on a trial basis. This year, it's officially one of the factors. And so um, it can be very similar to RPI, but can also add a little bit of a different um, perspective. And it can sometimes be different than than RPI. So it just adds to the conversation. So those are all of the, the, the factors. And yeah, the NCA provides that um, Everything except KPI, which is provided through kind of the KPI system, the NCA provides all of the data up to date as we go through that selection process um, that last weekend. Cool. And then when it when it comes to host sites, it's not as simple as going one, two, three, four, because you know I know you have to take geography into account. You also have to take uh, you know common opponents. You you probably aren't going to have a year where. Duke, North Carolina, and Virginia, if they're one, two, three, they all can host, it's just, and Maryland or something. like. It's not practical. So how do you weigh letting the top four teams in the country host versus geography and other factors? One factor that's really important that comes into play is if that school has put a bid in to host, um, which isn't always the case based on maybe they've got a football game that weekend and they can't mm. support it um, or they've got facility renovations happening or you know something that wouldn't allow them to have um, a top notch experience in that year. And so um, we take whoever the bids are that have come in. Um, and then you like you said, you do look at those top, you know, top ranked teams to see if they've put one in and then you kind of lay it out and see where they're at. Um, and so, you know, we do want to reward those teams that have worked really hard and have gotten these top four five, six ranked, um, positions. Um, and I think it just, it comes down to discussion, right? Like you're, you're correct. We would want to try and have some variety in locality of those so that maybe you're not flying everybody that's not from that area down there. Um, and it has just seemed to work out in the past few years that, you know, that isn't happening where you have everyone from, from that area. Um, you know, the, the big 10 has some really strong teams that are, you know, a little bit further West and, so um, I think it just it, it comes down to that discussion and, you know, trying as much as you can to find locations that, um, you know, cost is always a factor. And so not, you know, not blowing the budget out of the water comes into play a little bit. But I think, you know, the top priority is trying to reward the teams that deserve it and that have put a bid in. And hopefully that works out that they can get those hosting um, responsibilities. And is there any. Thing that would preclude the final four host North Carolina this year, but you know, Michigan next year from hosting a regional hosting the first weekend. Um, no, provided I mean, they put in a bid, right? Exactly. Um, no, I mean, provided they put a bid in, um, you know, it's already been determined that they're a good site and that, um, you know it's not necessarily that they are in the top four though. So, you know, right. that would be a dependent factor um, since those championship sites are selected out a number of years. So if and they are, are in that are, top group, then close. yeah. Are there any minimum requirements to bid? You need lights. Is there a minimum number of seats? Locker um, facilities. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the hard and fast rules That's are fine. on it but i think you know the um the desired location would have you know um lights um enough locker rooms to host the four teams near the field so you're not turning them over um the ability to ticket um you know a, right. a decent number of seats um i think 1500 is probably like the minimum that we would hope you'd be able they'd be able to provide um and then a big thing is like what are the hotels in the area um are you asking teams to to drive an hour to get to the field from where they're staying at a hotel um and how does that play into the student athlete experience yes it doesn't student athlete well. experience yeah <laughs> doesn't bode well. that, it doesn't bode well for colgate no, it does not. Hamilton doesn't have a lot of hotels. 
no. just the Hojo. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, so we're we're coming up on the stretch for the selections are having. So is there anything about the tournament in particular that excited about you're excited about this year? Um, I don't know if there's any new promotions or something going on with NCAA that will make it exciting this year. Um, I think personally I'm excited because I've been down to UNC for the championship mm-hmm. and they were able to pull it off on a short turnaround um, because they weren't initially the host for that year. Um, and they worked with us to make it happen. And it was awesome in my perspective. And so I think knowing their staff and what they're able to do there and the fact that they've now had much more time to really get things buttoned up. Um, I just think it'll be a really, really great experience for the teams and for the fans um, and everybody involved. And I'm excited about hopefully some warmer weather than um, some of our Northeast sites. (laughs) Good old Yukon. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, Hopefully it won't be a conversation about ice on the field and not being able to water and Mm -hmm. all of those pieces, um, which did happen. Yes. I was at a Michigan where there was snow on the field and a tarp and all kinds of things. Super fun. And I'm remembering it was at the the last time UNC hosted. It was when Michigan and UNC were in the final. It was Yes. The um, most like electric field hockey game I've ever watched. It was so exciting. It was as like a field hockey junkie. I was like standing at the 50 yard line, just like watching it back and forth. And my, I had my watch on and it was like, your stress level is high. You may <laughs> want to take a breath. <laughs> um, so I agree. I think it was amazing. Um, and you know, just the level of play is so, so good. Um, that, you know, it'll be fun to see who makes it into those um, games this year too. For sure. And it's a great facility. So always looks good on TV. It does look really awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, I, I know you're an avid listener of the podcast, so this would, it won't come as a surprise to you. Um, but we ask everybody we've interviewed a couple questions and we, so we'd love to hear your answers, but um, so Andrew and I are really into this idea of normal person Olympics. So just drop one normal person into every event, see how they do um, really compare them with these elite athletes. So if you, Caitlin were dropped into any event and it cannot be field hockey what's what's your choice and it has to be like an olympic sport is that yes and it can be like either because you just want to try it or like you maybe you'll maybe you're kind of good at it and it can be olympic adjacent if you want like if you have something specific in mind like break dancing (laughs) well that's it i'm gonna need a sport but then i'll give you what i or where my head went originally which is not in any way a sport but it's like a skill that i would put on my resume if that was appropriate um (laughs) So I'm I, think Olympic sport, <laughs> I think Olympic sport, um, I have never tried it. I don't think I would be good at it, but I think it would be really fun to like try and be good. Um, I'd want to try fencing. Yeah. Um, okay. They get like very intense and there's a lot of yelling. And um, I think I would, I would really enjoy trying it. <laughs> um, so that would be my Olympic sport. And then just like, um, normal everyday skill that I'd like to put on my resume would be um, parallel parking. Like I just oh, really, I'm really terrible. Think- Will you Andrew teach me? is the worst. I, I literally I have it. parallel parked for him. But like, like he I, gets I out and I it. get in and I do it. I've done that for a friend also. <laughs> <laughs> so good, Andrew. And my, you could also compete in that sport. Yeah, no, and I think just living in the city for so long, mm. like my, you know, I'm from the suburbs of New Jersey. Like my had a driveway my whole life, but like I've lived in the city for a long time now. And my parents were like so upset to hear me say like yeah you just like you bump it a little bit like you bump the car behind you and like in front of you and you just like fit your way in and they're like, they're like, oh my they're, like, they're like you should never have a new car caitlin like you're not allowed i have to drive to something saturday night in the city and i'm already a little stressed out about the parking situation <laughs> okay i also want to know like morally how do you feel about like the automatic parallel parkers i don't like it no <laughs> You got to have some skin in the game on that. Cheating. Like, come on. I love that. Amazing. Um, Oh, and then our last question. So. And it's especially appropriate. It is because you kind of are the czar of field hockey right now, but we like to tell people like you're, you're the czar of field hockey for a day and you get to, you get to pick a rule change. 
what is your rule change? It sticks for the foreseeable future. Nobody can contest it. And you, you have that power. And then we'll tell you what ours is. <laughs> ours is really good. I'm just going to warn you. Yours isn't going to be better, but go ahead. I mean, I've ne- I haven't given it any thought, so I think yours is going to be much better. Um, what rule would I change? Um well, maybe we we start the creative juices flowing if you tell her yes, our, yeah, yeah, yeah. our rule change, Andrew. Right. So we find the current overtime to be pretty boring. Just the seven on seven. We don't love it. So our solution to make overtime more exciting is to have two balls. <laughs> yeah, see? Really? Would you keep, I guess, though, would you keep the seven on seven or would you go oh, back yeah. to full No, field? seven on seven, two balls, first goal wins. It would be so exciting. Chaos. It would be pretty wild. Um, you could also just say like only aerial play. You can only have the ball oh. in the air. Throw it all over the place. Yeah. Man, yeah, the umpires only... the umpires may struggle with that one. <laughs> Call your own fouls. Yo, that would be amazing. Um yeah. I'm, I'm I don't trying to know think. that that would go well, but well, Tracy Fuchs wanted left-handed sticks. I'm um, left-handed, so I know. Well, you can join her coalition. It is a coalition of one at the moment, Trace Fuchs alone. So you can join her. Oh, I can't remember what Lisa was. Aaron's was great. It was you great. can position your players all around the field and sub from sub anywhere. from anywhere. Love that. <laughs> um, what was Salucci's? I can't remember now. It was something with overtime. Yeah, I don't remember. We should. I don't remember. remember. Yeah, we should probably remember that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think one of the best real changes that have happened is just the self start. Um, totally you know, changed I didn't the game. Play with that, and I totally wish that I had. Yeah. Well, let me that tell you, I played with it. Change. In the change and just the level of fitness you had to have from freshman, sophomore year to the junior, senior year, like totally changed everything. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I got subbed a lot more junior and senior year. I'll just say that. <laughs> awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the pod, telling us a little bit about the tournament. We're super excited. We're going to see what happens. Uh, yeah. Where should I send my suggestions for the at-large teams? Is there an email address or a, G- a oh, Gmail account? I mean, you can just really send cool. it to my direct cell, you know, night Okay, off, yeah, that's good. I, I I need a direct source. That's good. Yeah, you just okay. send a text. And you, can, and you can slip us the field before the show. We won't oh, tell that would anybody. Be ama- we become the selection show. Right. Well, I mean... I don't know that. No, I think it's on. It's live on something. Um, it's on NCA.com, but it's they don't have a lot of fun with it. Well, they're not we have fun. People, so. mm. We'll do a concurrent show same time. I was going to say there like a go. live a live watch or what's that called? Yeah. Watch. Party. You should have. Are you going to run a, a show party. and just have commentary going while the show is on? Ooh. We hadn't thought of that. Do it. But we have now. Now we have. <laughs> we have been thinking about like, what do we do for postseason? I like that. Yeah, I like I'd be it. curious cool. how upset you are as it's happening. So, <laughs> and you would hear it. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you very both. very much. We really appreciate you. you coming on. This was super fun. Yeah. All right. Great. See ya. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh, that was wonderful. I learned so much. I feel so much smarter and so much more involved in the process. I well, I don't know how much how involved you're gonna be. I know you hope. Well, I, I I'm expecting an email in the morning asking me to join the committee. <laughs> well, you've got her uh, mobile phone number now, so I'm, you can hear her concer- thoughts directly. And what I've done is I've cleared all my spam filters because I would hate for them to email me and it go to spam. I would hate that. I will say that after, you know, you're in the biz for a while, you think you know, but getting some extra insight, you're like, wow, you know. Who knew? Who knew? Exciting I wanted to know, and I didn't ask, and I should have, but I didn't want to, like, put anybody on the spot. If, like, Cal or Stanford went 18 and 0, would they host? Oh, wow. That's a really or UC, excellent, or UC excellent question. I mean, true. I mean, if, if Cal or Stanford ever were really good, and I know it's been a long time, but if one of them were a legit top 
two, three team, would they be willing to fly three teams out to California? And I didn't want to ask because it's a hypothetical and it like, you know, I didn't want to put her in the spot to answer a hype. I, I just didn't think it was. I think fair. it's a fair question though, because if you think about it, you're like, you're 18 and 0 and you should sort of reap the benefits of that for you to travel three time zones. Well, like you're put at a disadvantage. Well, that's right? what I'm going to say. Even more, even less like about you traveling, but should you be punished for being mm. in California? Yeah. It's a good question. If uh, Cal Stanford and UC Davis could uh, make that happen next season, we'll see. It would be nice to put the NCAA under some pressure, see what happens. Yeah. And as a future member of the committee, I'll have to sort that out. <laughs> It'll be a lot to discuss. I'm sure you all will have a healthy, uh, robust discussion. Yeah. All right. So we got another weekend of fun. It is the penultimate weekend of regular season play, the second to the last. Um, and we have a lot of interesting games. We had two games already this week on Tuesday, a little bean pod action. Boston College knocked off Northeastern and Harvard thumped uh, BU 7-zip. So that's all the weekday action uh, for this week. And then we get set for a bunch of games on Friday, a small handful on Saturday, and then a bunch on Sunday. Yeah. And I was restrained. Um, because I think we are getting to the point of the season where it's either there are games that are kind of like, depending on your conference schedule, we know where we stand or they're the ones that really matter. So, not, I mean, I I think it matters, uh, but we already mentioned it earlier in some uh, some America East action. UNH versus Albany, they're one and two in their conference, so that will be a really solid matchup. Also in the ACC, we got number thirteen Syracuse versus number eight Louisville Cardinals. Um, so Syracuse is one and three in the conference. Louisville is two and two. So obviously, depending on where this game goes, it'll really affect their seating for the ACC tournament. Um, and then. We also have number five, Iowa versus number nine, Maryland. Um, so in a little bit of a twist in terms of like how they're ranked in the poll versus how they're ranked in the Big Ten, Iowa's three and two in the Big Ten and Maryland is now four and one. So I think that's going to be a really exciting to game to watch on Friday. And is that on BTN Plus? Oh, that's a great question. I don't I'm, know. I, I mean, it has to be, I'm sure, unless it's, I, on, unless it's on actual BTN. Um, yeah, well, a couple of their games have been, so, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it could be, it's possible big 10 plus. So everyone with a script subscription, call your friends with subscriptions to be able to watch that game. And then Saturday. So in your Ivy league action, uh, we got Penn versus Harvard. Um, and then here you go in the D two world. I'm giving some love to our D two people. Uh, we got number seven Westchester versus number nine Mansfield, and it's going to be a grudge match for some, uh, I think, some seeding or even like place in the tournament for the PSAC. And then number one Middlebury versus number seven Tufts in some NESCAC Division three action. So that's Saturday. Yeah, you'll let me know how those go. I will. I'll I'll make sure to inform you. Yeah, you'll, you'll um, keep me in the loop there. Okay, and then here's your – this is like the number one most important trademark game to watch this weekend. Number one, Northwestern takes on number four, undefeated Rutgers. That is the so game of the week. This is the game of the week because we got number one, Northwestern, on fire, and we got undefeated Rutgers, who I thought would have stumbled earlier against like Maryland, uh, Ohio State, but they are just a steamroller. So I think that's going to be – Exceptional. Hypothetically, if Rutgers gets it done and knocks off number one, do they, uh, who do they play on Friday? They play Indiana. So let's assume they beat Indiana uh, handily to go to 15 and 0. If they defeat Northwestern to go to 16 and 0, mm. do, they, do they jump Duke in North Carolina? They have to like, and like, cause I know some of their out of conference schedules a little bit light, but like now, now they're like just churning through the top 10 teams. So I feel like they have to be number one. 
they're uh, they're the only undefeated team left in the country, and they just take down number one. And they're number four right now. They have to be number one. So both UNC and Duke have one game this weekend. North Carolina is at UVA, and Duke hosts the up and down yo-yoing Connecticut Huskies on Sunday. So who knows what'll happen? Right. So you're saying yes. If Northwestern is 16-0 on Monday, they're number one? I I think they have to be. They have to be. Like, they have to be. Like, like, they have moved past their early, like, lower-ranked wins, and they have, like, shown up. They have to be. I'm I'm with you. Yeah. But I think then it goes, you know, say everybody wins, Rutgers wins, UNC wins. Duke wins. Like it should be Rutgers one, UNC two, Duke three. So you're dropping Iowa all the way down to four for one loss, or Northwestern. Sorry, for one loss to Rutgers. Oh yeah, wait, no, I'm forgetting about See? good old Northwestern. Yeah, because they only had they would they would go to thirteen and two. Oh man, but I also, I mean, I think I, I don't know. I can't make any predictions because it's going to be such a good game. It's not going to be easy. So, all right. Because I can't say, you know, go ahead. Based on the conversation we just had, who would you say now are the four hosts? Wow. After all this information we've, we've learned, we've gleaned. Well, well, and not knowing who put in bids, right? We're just going to assume right. everybody in the tap we'll, in the we'll top assume. fifteen that's, put that's in bids. Correct. We assume fair point. Uh, Northwestern hosts, UNC hosts, Rutgers hosts, and may the fourth one is the is the challenge. Like maybe Maryland. I, the problem with that is it's three Big Ten teams. I don't think they'll Ooh, do that. Right. God, this, see, this is why the committee has such a hard job. That's why I, I think I think it's I think it's the top four right now. Northwestern, mm. North Carolina, Duke. You and think Rutgers. they're going to put UNC and Duke both? Let them host. I mean, she said so like she said. I mean, they would. They, yeah. I mean, they will. It depend, I mean. I mean, those towns are set up to host things like this. They got. They've got the infrastructure. They got the hotels, as we talked about. Yep. And I'm sure those the staffs at those universities are prepared to host big events. Man, that would be the first time, I think, in a long time that I, I'd have to look at the brackets, but that a, Northeast, a team in the Northeast doesn't host a I portion mean, of the tournament. Rutgers, New Jersey is sort of the Northeast. Yeah, sort of. But, I mean, you know, you've got what what you have is you have your Western host with Northwestern. Mm-hmm. You have a Northern host, Northern-ish, at least, with Rutgers. Um, and, you know, the two more Southern teams. But Yeah. Hmm. Wow, you know? it's going to be so exciting to see what happens. I can't wait. Now we got to sign up for doing, like, a live show during Selection Sunday. I know. We really have to think about what we do for uh playoffs. Well, that's, a, that's it. Well, the selection show, I guess, will be Sunday night in two weeks from Sunday. Mm. What is that date? Two weeks from Sunday. It would, oh my, oh my, I'm all over the shop. It would November be 5th, November, November 5th. November 5th. Yeah, November 5th. So, well, we're going to have to make some conference predictions in a week or two. And then we're, we got the selection show. We got lots of hockey to watch that weekend. And then the final four. And away we go. And away we go. All right, Andrew. That's week Any, nine. Episode no more nine week to nine. watch, TM. I do have one more, but it's a little bit of a like let down after the. <laughs> go for it. That's why we're here, Karen. Nothing you say um, is a letdown. No, well, okay. I think you might roll your eyes at this, but your Lehigh Mountain Hawks are playing number twenty Albany. They're both nine and okay. five. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. I think that'll do it. <laughs> I'll be watching. Again, let me know how it finishes. I will. <laughs> I told you it was. You were not gonna like it. Yeah, we'll be in double digits next week. I know. Can you believe it? Oh, should we do something fun for our 10th episode? 
I think we do something fun every time. That's true. Well, everyone, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Um, Pitch session. We got we got a couple of ratings. Ooh, people! If you're listening, like it's there in the app, just do it, please. Just do it. Just rate us and review us. Um, We had a bit. We had a big bump in listeners from the Netherlands. So, oh, my Netherlanders! Shout out Netherlands. I'm a big fan of honkball. Any any other exciting uh, geographic locations? No. Okay. Well, the Netherlands, that's like as, as cool as you can get. Yeah. All of our friend, fans from the Netherlands, send us some Stroopwafels. Well, we can just buy those at the grocery store. Oh, but direct from Holland. That's even better. Okay. When you buy it direct. Yeah. All right. We're back in a week. Bye, Kier. Right. Bye, Andrew. <laughs>